freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. everybody welcome to episode number 219 of gun freedom radio where we engage we educate and we inform we are brought to you by azfirearms.com your nationwide hometown gun shop i am one of your hosts cheryl todd and i'm the other guy dan todd our show today is government uh, ruins nearly everything Absolutely. And our guest today is Laura Carnot. Laura is a political strategist setting straight the relationship between citizens and their government. She is the author of Government Ruins Nearly Everything, is a senior fellow at Independent Women's Forum, and is the executive director at the Faster Colorado Charter. Laura has dedicated herself to setting straight this relationship and helped to recall Colorado Senator John Morse with her Don't You Dare campaign and helped send Mark Udall home with her Udall Lied campaign. She is active in uh, Coloradans for Civil Liberties, an organization helping to win back the gun rights for citizens of Colorado. Welcome to the show, Ms. Laura. Hi, great to see you too. Great to see you. And we do actually, this is the first interview we've had that we get to see each other because <laughs> yeah. we're in the Zoom uh, video app age of, of our nation. Um, and some people watch it on YouTube and GunStreamer and uh, the OpsLens app, and some people go uh, audio only. But uh, I am holding up for those of you who can only hear a copy of Laura's awesome book, Government Ruins Nearly Everything Reclaiming Social Issues from Uncivil Servants. Yeah, we have that marked look. Yep, they weren't that. <laughs> they weren't that, they weren't that, they weren't that, and it goes on. So, you know, this book comes to mind uh, for me so often. It's amazing um, because some of the people we've elected into government are definitely ruining things and forcing many of us across the nation to succumb to their power by using fear tactics. So talk to us about choosing safety, safety in air quotes over capital L liberty. Yeah, and it's it's such a good point. Gun, um, gun freedoms, gun rights are, are such a good place to start talking about um, where government um, uh, can't, not just can't fix things, but sometimes even makes the problem. Um, then it says it tries to fix it by making the problem worse. And, and you're right, in, in headlines every single day, you say, well, wait a second, government was claiming they were fixing that thing. Why did it get so broken? So, so yeah, you're right. You know, every time the government tries to butt in and say, well, we're, gonna, we're going to fix um, the crime problem in Chicago. No, they, they don't. And so you, so you look over time, this is what we, we kind of talk about in the book. You look over time and you say, um, you know, in a, in a situation like um, 
um, when we're dealing with gun violence, let's look at the places where government has tried to, you know, in air quotes, um, fix a problem versus an area where the government takes more of a hands-off approach and says, um, you know, good, good citizens should be armed to be able to defend themselves. And that is the thing that reduces um, the violent crime. And um, the, the numbers are very, very clear. The, the uh, data is very clear across the country, across the world, that where um, more um, individual free people have the ability to defend their lives, uh, crime, is, um, crime is lower because criminals don't want to die in the pursuit of their career in crime. And so when they, um, when they think that there are going to be people there to defend themselves, um, uh, they'll stay away. And we see this in some of these riots where uh, in Los Angeles, reminiscent of the, the post Rodney King era, uh, where the Korean store owners who were just left behind by LAPD, sheer, sheer numbers, they, they couldn't get everywhere. These Korean store owners took to their roofs with rifles, um, even sometimes those, um, those scary looking black rifles and saved their businesses. So it's um, interesting to see all that happening today. It so is. And it's like a flashback for so many of us. We keep thinking that we're evolving, that we're moving ahead and that, you know, uh, we're, we're learning and growing. And then here we are again, same conversations, same issues. Um, I'm really hoping that uh, our next generation, our, our younger generation that's listening, that they can really move the ball forward um, in similar ways that our founding fathers did. I mean, may maybe hopefully not having to take up arms for it, but by understanding what came before, by understanding our history and not just trying to somehow obliterate it or wipe it out or pretend that it never happened or whatever's going on with all these statue topplings and whatnot, that they can truly uh, learn from it and, and teach uh, themselves and the next generation. Right. And Laura, you know, I see um, your examples are like Chicago. The government says no guns in Chicago. And what happens? We have more gun crime there than any other city, any other state, the whole thing. And then you go to Arizona, where the government kind of leaves us alone with our gun laws, and we don't have the problems that they yep. have. So go ahead, Laura. Yeah, I was just going to say you're exactly right. And, and we have this um, interesting microcosm here in Colorado, where I live. Uh, where in 2013, and we're a relatively low crime state, 2013, a bunch of gun control bills passed. And by the way, they told us that they would keep us safer. Uh, we didn't believe it at the time, but that's what they told us. And so um, in tracking the, the violent crime rate, um, the crime rate, violent crime and homicides, every single one of those categories has gone up by a lot in Colorado. Um, I have a friend who tweets under um, the name Government's the Problem who, who um, tracks this stuff on a very, very regular basis. And um, the numbers are astounding. So just in the last seven years in a, in a place like Colorado, which isn't, you know, it's not Chicago or Detroit where there's been, you know, long generations long, um, you know, high crime. Uh, this is Colorado. It's we just never have never had that here, and um, so to see that increase just in the span of seven years, 
um, is an interesting microcosm um, that I'm starting to hear folks talk about nationally, which is good to bring some, some eyeballs to that. So criminals are thinking, hmm, I'm going to go to a place where they restrict firearms. I probably have a better chance of surviving. Right? Yeah, and, and, and exactly. And what's um, interesting and actually terrifying is Denver Public Schools um, in, in the, um, you know, during all of the, these protests and um, uh, riots and violence that are going on, um, Denver Public Schools has, uh, has voted to take school resource officers out mm. of the schools. And so, and, and the, what they say about that is that they, um, they don't want youth to have bad interactions with law enforcement that kind of fosters a, um, what they call the school to prison pipeline. But I look at this as a, a person who's very interested in school safety. And I, you know, to, to Danny's point, what are the criminals gonna think? What, you know, if somebody wants to be violent in, in an area like that, what are they going to think? And these children are sitting ducks. It's it's just heartbreaking. Not only that, but separation from law enforcement at the schools is going to make kids less not familiar. Even, they're not. They're going to be less familiar. They're yeah. not going to. I mean, because uh, I remember the law. The, those guys were fun. You know, it wasn't <laughs> like they were. You know, oh, you can't do that. You can't. No, they they interacted with kids. And hey, this is law enforcement. We're good guys. Everything's cool. Right. And, and we're yeah. taking it away from them. Yeah, and there, there are some schools that are saying, please don't take our SRO, we love him or we love her, right. please don't take them away because they really have become, you know, almost a part of the school staff and, and the kids really love um, these members of law enforcement. So, sure. um, but gosh, our, our kids, um, there's nothing more important than our kids. And, in, you know, in, in our case, we're all in the grandparent mode. Uh, man, I want them protected. Well, can, can the citizens make the schools have the uh, the law enforcement people at the school, or is that a vote, or what, they just decide they don't want them anymore? Yeah. So, so when we represent our, um, or when we elect our representatives, and in this case, our school board members, we're we are hopefully electing people who represent our point of view. So, what um, voters in the Denver Public School District area are going to need to do, and if same if this is happening in your area. Um, ask candidates when elections come back up, ask candidates, are you in favor of school resource officers in schools? Are you in favor of armed school staff? And something that I obviously advocate for. Um, and, and don't allow people, um, don't, at least don't give your vote to somebody who doesn't share your, your views on that. Absolutely. So speaking of schools and school safety, um, balancing and properly prioritizing the safety and liberty, uh, it, it, it is part of this whole program called Faster Saves Lives. And you, as I said, are the executive director of Faster Colorado, the charter there. So talk to us about what, those, what that program is and how schools can make our kids hopefully safer once kids hopefully come back in the fall. Yes, all of those hopefullys. Yes. And before I forget, I'll just say if anybody wants to know about what we're doing in Colorado, um, as far as this program goes, um, go to fastercolorado.com. And yeah, what you know what that is is um, we have a training program here in Colorado um, that trains armed school staff, and uh, we have had the law for 16 years here in Colorado to allow for school boards to designate the policy of armed school staff. So this would be different from a school resource officer. This would be you know, the teacher, janitor, uh, coach, lunch lady, nurse, whoever, um, 
who is authorized to carry a concealed firearm in school. And um, as you might, um, might think, lots of our early adopters in um, not just Colorado, but across the country are these little rural school districts that even if, um, even if there was a school resource officer available, uh, they couldn't afford one. And um, so having armed staff is their only means of self-defense. So we started Faster Colorado following on the heels of um, Faster Saves Lives in Ohio. They I consider them kind of the mothership uh, starting this organization. And um, I split off and in 2017 started Faster Colorado. And um, we are now in our third training year, um, fourth training year, actually, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, fourth training year, time flies. And um, uh, man, a whole group of dedicated people across the state. Um, we're over uh, 200 uh, that we've met so far through Faster Colorado who are armed in their schools. And, um, and, and remember that these are people who absent a firearm would put their body between bullets and children. Every single one of these school staffers would die for their children. And we just wanna give them that best training possible so that they could um, stop a killer and save children and be able to go back home to their own families. Why would anybody be against that? That's a very, that's a very good question. And uh, between the three of us and your audience, I think we're all, uh, we see the common sense of this. There, that what's interesting is as I go around the state um, talking about this with civic groups and so forth, there are a, a, a very organized band of anti-gun activists um, that uh, uh, try to see where I'm speaking and um, ask tough questions. They think they're tough questions to me. They're just questions. Um, but yeah, it, it makes sense that all of the statistics say that the sooner um, the killer is stopped um, by an armed person, whether it's a, a member of law enforcement, school resource officer, or whomever else, the, the carnage is limited. And it, it's, you know, between single digits and double digits in all mass killings, if somebody is there with a gun to stop the killing, um, it is, uh, the deaths are in single digits as opposed to double digits. Every death is um, heartbreaking and we don't want anybody to die, but, but certainly we, we have to start by reducing um, the, the number of people that can get harmed in these mass casualty incidents. And I think that, that if all of our schools were armed, um, the, the bad guys, people, people who had in their mind that they wanted to um, um, do a school shooting, uh, but they knew that they weren't going to get away with it because all of our schools had armed staff, they would stop doing it. And that would be a dynamic change for our schools. Right. And everybody needs to know that these people that are armed in the schools are trained hard and they are dedicated people it's not, hey, I want to carry a gun to school. They are dedicated people that really want to make sure that their children are safe. Yep. Yeah, you're Good. absolutely right. And, and they're, they're screened by their schools. They're approved by their school districts. They come through our class, which in Colorado is all active duty law enforcement trainers. They, these are people training SWAT team members yesterday, and then they train teachers today. These are absolutely the right people you want. Um, training these armed school staffers. And then at the end of the FASTER class, they take a test which actually exceeds the handgun proficiency test that law enforcement has to pass to get out of the academy and then requalify with every year. It exceeds that test. So this is, it is really, really hard. And I would uh, put it past anyone who, who says, you know, uh, that you can't teach somebody to do this. Um, 
it, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. These are amazing people with, uh, with incredible dedication. Right. I just can't imagine you, you have a, a room full of children and you have somebody armed that can protect them versus a room full of children with no one. What are the odds? I mean, you've got much of a better chance. Well, I've talked to educators who have just kind of bought into the lie that uh, it's, this has been quoted to me, it is ridiculous to expect a teacher to carry on their body while they're interacting with students, especially young ones where they're down in the floor. Now, I am a concealed carry licensee. I actually have been homeschooling my granddaughter for the past several months and I carry on my body and get down on the floor and you know it's the type of holster and the type of training that you have it is there's nothing ridiculous about it um, except to ignore your responsibilities to help protect and defend those young lives right Um, but it's it's just amazing to me that the teachers that they just they don't know they're not familiar with guns and so it's just easier to be like no 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 that's, that's not part of what right. we do. Yeah, and, then, and if, if I could just add really quick, nobody um, suggests that a person who says that should be required to carry a firearm. These are all volunteer programs everywhere, all across the country. And um, so if that particular teacher can't imagine it, can't envision how a person would carry, that's okay. Don't be one of the concealed carriers on campus. Not a problem. Thank you for adding that. That is so important. And the other thing I wanted to talk about before we dive off of of that particular topic of school safety and the Faster Colorado program is it's not just about carrying firearms and being trained to to, uh, an armed and trained person. It's also that initial medical emergency medical care that the, the FASTER stands for Faculty Administrator Safety Training and Emergency Response, that those people can administer to save lives, no matter what the medical emergency is, even if it doesn't happen to be a, a horrible murderer has come on campus, people have been saved in shop class through this training, right? Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the founders of Faster Saves Lives in Ohio, um, one of the first stories he told me about the medical training is if a, if a high school has a wood shop, they dang well better have tourniquets because you're going to need that sort of trauma care, um, even if you, if you just have a, a wood shop in your school. And yeah, um, you know, listen, you look at, um, at Sandy Hook Elementary, which was just one of the most horrible tragedies ever, and, um, and, and people died waiting for medical care. It took medics 45 minutes to be um, permitted to enter the school because they, the law enforcement has to clear the school. Um, could anybody have been saved if there were, um, you know, proper, if there was proper equipment like tourniquets and chest seals and so forth and people trained to do that. Um, and so as part of faster, we train that, um, that trauma, um, combat casualty care type training, but we also send them back to their school with a trauma kit. Um, so that they've got that equipment back in their school. And then in, we've got a, an upcoming uh, level two class. Um, and when we do our very realistic scenarios, they dang well better have been uh, uh, practicing um, on tourniquets um, because the, these, these are life-saving. Law enforcement can tell you over and over they are saving lives, um, even if criminals, um, with tourniquets. So you, we used to call it the last... Um, the last resort, and now it's really the first line of um, 
of treatments for, for these life-threatening um, uh, bleeding wounds. Absolutely. I, I am so excited about the, the programs um, here in Arizona. The Arizona Citizens Defense League has um, started a foundation uh, in order to try to bring faster to the schools here right. in Arizona. And I am right at, I'm the vice president of the foundation. The minute they asked me, I was, I couldn't get yes out of my mouth fast yes. enough because <laughs> I understand how important um, all of that training is to help protect our next generation. So you wrote an article titled, Why the Spike in First-Time Gun Purchases Amid Coronavirus is an Encouraging Sign. Um, we are gun store owners ourselves. We have seen it firsthand. We are incredibly honored to be able to serve people who have made this very important and big life decision. People who thought they would never own a gun in their lives have now realized, um, and maybe it will affect things like the FASTER program as school starts up again for them to, to realize, oh yeah, you've, you've got to be your own immediate responder. You've got to have an immediate responder on scene. Um, and so your article, uh, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that. It's in the Independent Women's Forum, uh, dated April 28, 2020. Uh, talk to us about what you say, what you mean by it's an encouraging sign. Yeah, and, um, and thanks for bringing that up. Uh, and folks can find that in my other blogs at iwf.org. Independent Women's Forum has... Um, uh, they asked me to come on last year to to be kind of their their gun policy expert, and um, so this particular article um, it is encouraging to see so many first time gun owners and and to hear anybody say, "Gosh, I'm afraid that there are all these new gun owners on the street." That's that is not our problem. <laughs> um, the the pro, and I don't even call this a problem. A great opportunity for the those of us in the gun world is to reach out to those people um, and make sure they get the training that they need. But what we've seen during the, this coronavirus lockdown uh, is people who have um, been thinking about growing a vegetable garden for the first time, um, people thinking about um, making bread for the first time. I, I'm a big bread baker. I couldn't find flour forever uh, because everybody's learning how to break, bake bread. And I think that um, that wanting to be a, a, a first-time gun owner is part of that trend in being able to care for your family. Then you add on top of that all of these um, local um, uh, areas that have said we, we've got to release the prisoners so that we can social distance in prisons. And and now with all of these um, these riots and looting, uh, people who might have felt very secure and, you know, I live in a safe neighborhood or what have you, um, understand that when, when the chips are down, um, it might just be up to them and their own ability to protect their families. And um, as you guys are seeing so many first-time gun owners, you know, I'm a very public gun owner, obviously, and so I'm hearing from lots of people, where should I go? What kind of gun should I buy? And where do I get my training? And thank God people are thinking about training because it is your obligation, your um, moral responsibility to get trained in this, um, in this tool that if used improperly could be dangerous. Um, be trained properly so that you can do the best job at defending yourself and your family. Right. We want to encourage that. We do that in the store that if you don't get training, this, this, this tool is not good for you. You need to yep. get training, period. 
It's almost like you have to get training. What it was your experience? Because Dan spends more time actually in the gun shop uh, behind the counter uh, chatting with people than I do. I'm in the, the studio and, and that sort of thing more often than, than in the store. Um, what was your experience uh, with people and the fact that we've sold more um, safes than we've ever sold, ever. Right. We, we, we've had safes. We had a pallet of safes that we've been setting on forever. And I think we sold them in the first two weeks that this started. And people are really like, I need to buy a gun. I don't know what to do. I don't know what where to go. And anyway, uh, we do sell them again, but it's kind of like, don't take it out of the box until you at least get some training. Right. And we try to encourage that because the gun could hurt you and keep it locked especially if you have kids around or friends come over with kids. You know, there's, there's a lot of responsibility to own a firearm. And I think that's one of the things that the other side, the ones that don't like guns, they're, they're so afraid of them and they, they don't know that they can be taught. It's, it's not hard. It's just, it takes dedication. You have to say, I want to learn how to use this firearm. It does take dedication, but it's not hard. It's common. It's yeah. common sense stuff. Right. Yeah, and I really love hearing that gun safes are selling out because um, people, and by the way, every every home situation is different. I might store my firearms differently than my neighbor, and that's perfectly fine. But the fact that people are saying, saying to themselves, um, now I have this tremendous responsibility of being a firearm owner, how am I going to secure that? Whether you have kids or green kids in the house, or whether you just want to make sure something doesn't get stolen from your home. Right. Um, people are thinking about that. And I, I agree with you. Um, I'm hearing those same sorts of questions as well. Um, you know, people asking questions about trigger locks might, might not be for everybody, but I'm glad people are asking questions about, um, about different types of things that, um, that might be a safety consideration for their family, even if it's not something that I might personally choose. People are asking all of those questions. And, um, and what's kind of cool because I, um, we have these great instructors with Faster Colorado. Um, I, I'm able to say, and I know some guys who do some really great training, yes. um, you know, in addition to everybody else that's, um, that's in the state, um, you know, we're, we're able to get people um, in touch with um, instructors in their area. And um, I'm hearing back from folks, you know, wow, do I feel empowered um, to keep my family safe. So it's, it's a, a, a great move, um, I think, overall. It is. And one thing that I'm hoping um, that people are also hearing, uh, not just from our store, uh, but that there is, and getting back to, to your book about how government can tend to ruin things and, and apply rules where rules were not intended to be, uh, like gun control, our constitution, the only place in our constitution, our founding fathers wrote the words shall not be infringed is in the second amendment, which is our legal definition of our, our God-given rights to keep and bear arms, is I'm hoping that they're understanding they have a constitutional responsibility to protect those rights and, and start removing some of those laws that have gotten in the way of law-abiding, responsible, moral people um, from being able to, to protect themselves and their families. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I'll just um, add to that, that um, there are going to be a lot of voters this mm -hmm. year who have, um, upon being a first time gun owner, let's say in California, and you want to protect your family today. And now you find out that you cannot pick up your firearm today. It's going to be a couple of weeks. 
Um, most first time gun owners, because it was not a policy that they felt affected them, paid no attention. And there are a bunch of ticked off people right now who are saying, wait a second, I'm a law abiding citizen. I should have a right to buy that firearm today um, to protect my family. And I think it's going to change how people vote for a long time to come. You are so right with that. We've seen that too. We've had people that have delays or nixes down the national background checking. They're down. And so a customer comes in and wants to buy a gun. He can't buy a gun because they're down. Well, why? I'm not a criminal. Well, because laws were made to protect, to protect us that aren't accurate. in air quotes, you know, in air quotes. Yeah. Right. So, so they are seeing that. And, and we do mention, well, you know, people voted for this to come in yeah. so we can unvote it. But yep. uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. And there are a lot of people that are nice people that are, that are terrified right now. They're afraid that their yeah. police can't get there in time. Yeah, for good reason. I, I mean, yeah. absolutely. I've, um, not that I'm unconcerned about what's going on, but um, as a firearm owner who um, practices a lot, I, I know that I could, can handle myself if, God forbid, the worst situation right. happened. And it gives a person confidence to, um, to know that it's not just being a gun owner, it's practicing and getting trained. So make sure that's all part of the package. Laura, we live in a rural area and I have a neighbor um, that asked me one day, he says, hey, I heard that the riders were going to start going into the rural areas. Are you going to be around? Because he's, <laughs> he's, he, he's kind of anti-gun. And yeah. it's just like, so they're like, they're waking up. Oh, wait a minute. Right. I, and then I'm not still really ready to own one, but I'm kind of glad now that my right. neighbor. Right. They, they look, they look to a good guy with a gun. Yeah. And sure. um, yeah, if it's not law enforcement, I, I hear you. We're in a, a little bit out in the sticks too. And uh, we live in a, a, a subdivision that has a lot of first responders in it. And, uh, you know, including some folks I know from SWAT teams and so forth. And when I, I heard that, that same thing, they were going to start coming out into the suburbs and more rural areas. I'm like, not my street. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't think that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Let so. us know how that pans out for yes. you. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so just as we start wrapping up a little bit, talking about all of these first time uh, gun owners and people who are still maybe a little on, you know, the fence about, you know, is this something that I am really ready to take the responsibility to own? What do you think is the single most impactful and important things that we can do to help welcome or mentor the millions of brand new first-time gun owners across the nation? You know, take a friend to a range. Um, that what we can do um, just on a one-on-one -on -one basis, uh, especially as people are thinking about maybe being a concealed carry holder, what the number one question I get is what kind of a gun should I buy? Let's go to the range and let me bring you a few different things to try because they're uh, concealed carry firearm is very personal and um, it has to be something that fits uh, your hand, your um, body, um, your, the way that you clothe yourself, all different kinds of stuff. Um, but, but reach out to these folks individually, one-on-one, -on -one, and welcome them. Um, what, what I'm hearing is, well, I don't know if the gun community is going to welcome these type of people or these type of mm. people. That is, I have not seen that anywhere where the gun community hasn't been really open um, to absolutely everybody because self-defense is a human right and no 
nobody on um, in my in our community that I have ever met is saying, well, I'll train new gun owners except for those kind of people. Absolutely not. We want everybody to be able to defend their, their family. So reach out to folks, answer their questions, go to the store with them, the gun store, go to the range with them. Um, just one-on-one um, -on -one welcome these folks into our community. We are the most law-abiding community in the country. Let's not forget that. That is the darndest truth. And as you said so beautifully, the most welcoming. Mm -hmm. I mean, just even me starting this show several years ago, uh, as I would reach out and ask, exp I mean, like the top level experts in whatever their field was, like, or. like yourself, and my very first guest ever was uh, Ken Blanchard, Reverend Ken Blanchard. He wrote the book, Black Man with a Gun. I mean, he has been in this for, you know, decades. And Little Miss Nobody, Cheryl Todd is like, hey, I have a little radio show. Would you be my <laughs> I could barely get to the end of the sentence. And he said, yes, absolutely. And I thought that is an incredible, an incredible thing that um, is a testament to how we just want to share our knowledge and share our passion. We're yeah. not sizing people up and going, okay, everybody, but that, that one right there, yeah. that person, nah, that we're saying, if you are a law abiding, moral, upstanding, a, a citizen who wants to be a responsibly armed citizen and get knowledge and training, come on in. Yeah. Yeah. You think about after the pulse nightclub shooting, um, all of these uh, uh, gun training centers, gun stores, ranges, everybody across the country said, if that's you, if, if you are a part of that community, come here, we will teach you for free. And, and we, we both know some great folks that, um, that run um, Pink Pistols and Operation Blazing Sword. Um, and, and their tagline is, um, armed gays don't get bashed. Amen. That, that's what um, uh, self-defense is a human right means. It means everybody has the human right of self-defense. It doesn't matter. And I'm so proud of the, the uh, gun owning community um, that we have um, collectively have reached out to um, everybody who has maybe even been marginalized, if, if not um, threatened, and said, come here. We will help you. You deserve to be able to defend your life. I love it. Absolutely. All right. Well, how do people get a hold of this amazing book that truly, I mean, it comes to my mind so often because you, uh, if, if somebody leans really far left, you challenge up. Oh, and if somebody leans really far right, you challenge. And mm, yeah. I was like, it, yeah. it really is a, a powerful uh, book, uh, government. But, an e but easy, right? It's an it easy is. book to read. Yeah. Oh, it's not... It, yeah, it's not, uh, it you doesn't drag at all. It is a page. You don't need a PhD in political science to read it. Yeah, so folks can find um, the book Government Ruins Nearly Everything. It's on Amazon. Um, you can also go to lauracarno.com and there's a picture of it. It takes you right to Amazon um, um, through my website as well. Um, so you can find me at lauracarno.com. You can find us at fastercolorado.com. And again, if folks want to see um, other stuff that I've been writing on um, this topic, especially through this pandemic, um, they can go to iwf.org and um, just put my name in the search box and you'll, you'll see everything come up that I've been writing lately. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Laura, for all you do and for taking this time to, to chat with us today. We'll definitely be checking back in soon and seeing what else you've got going on. Thank you, awesome. Laura. Awesome. Good seeing you guys. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, that uh, taking the 
uh, so the officers away from the, the schools. Yes. It's like, how do you justify that? How, how, well, what do I you think it feeds into that here? That it, here's proof that you need to be afraid of these people. Right. They can't even be trusted to be around our children. But they do have a sign that says no firearms allowed in school. So I guess that protects, protects them, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Use the sign to give the bad guy a paper cut who comes on campus. I don't. I don't know. Because that's the only thing I can see that sign. But Laura's is doing do. such a great job. Uh, I've seen, you know, I've heard, I've known her for quite a while. I've seen the changes made in Colorado because of people like her. And it takes an individual citizen standing up and saying, "Yeah, no, what what you're saying as my elected official, that is not representing me." And I'm going to stand up and say no, which encourages other people who are also sitting at home feeling like, well, that doesn't seem right. But, you know, they are our, our leader. So they, you know, I guess what they're doing is okay. No, it, it takes us knowing our constitution, right? Banding together with other citizens who also know their constitution and, and to helping our representatives truly represent us what it's a weird like so if aliens came to this earth and they said take us to your leader or take us to your ruler mm. well it'd be hard wouldn't it i mean because some of our leaders are rulers mm. so you'd have to say that and well i'm not sure because we do have a few leaders but most all of our politicians are rulers so just go look it up in the politician yellow pages right <laughs> but we have a few leaders that's it's a shame because we are we are i mean look look at seattle look what's, wait you mean seattle or do you mean the nation of Chaz? right because we're sitting in the studio on monday june 15th 2020 and currently there is a six block radius right in the middle of seattle washington that has uh seceded from the united states and is the nation of Chaz. picture yourself we'll go back pictures of hi i'm sarah mclaughlin and we're trying to save the children of Chaz. please send them your sunglasses and your toiletries because they're people too and they're hurting and need your help i'm not as good as sarah mclaughlin with the puppy thing yeah. but we could have maybe a little child sitting there with glasses that are broken sunglasses that are broken and uh trying to go to the bathroom without toilet paper um living on the streets it's craziness. Sad world. It is Sad craziness world. right now. Um, they just need to walk up there and say, go home. Just go home. Well, Maybe they don't, no one told them that. Go home. No, because the mayor, the lady mayor there, I wish I, I knew her name. I should know her name by now. She's just like, those cute little, it's adorable what they're doing there. I mean, she's winking at the whole thing. Summer of love. Yeah, she's calling it the summer of love. And it's just totally totally fine and okay that there are people who aren't in favor of this, who paid their taxes, right, who are being negatively impacted. I mean, I would think negatively impacted. Maybe I'm putting words in their mouth because I, you would think by now maybe those business owners and the people living in the area would have gotten on every media outlet yeah, we're they not hearing from them are we i can and say this is what is going on here so you're a business owner okay, but maybe the, maybe they're okay with you're it. a business owner you've been closed down for covid and now you're closed down because of this and you say nothing or do you get up there and say hey they want to charge me to come in the gate 
and then I come in the gate, but my customers, how do they get in the gate to buy from me? Are the people that are invading Chaz going to come in the gate? Right. And the people in Chaz are going to support me? Until I really understand what's going on, I'm not bringing my grandbabies in there. Could a real news no. Could a real news station please report what's really going on there? Because we have no idea. It could just be another Disneyland as far as we know. Right? <laughs> According to the mayor. Yeah. Just those Summer little stamps. Aren't they Summer adorable? You know? I have a whole bunch of... Uh, Never mind. All right. We're going to wrap up. We're going to get out of here. Thank you so much to our awesome listeners. I, you know, our time is our most precious and finite resource because you can't make more. You can't borrow more. You can't buy more. And when you spend your time with us, uh, it's everything truly. So thank you so much. Thank you to our um, guests who spend their time and bring their expertise uh, to our conversations. Uh, I can't, we wouldn't have a show if it weren't for you. So thank you for spending the time. And these guests, you know, they have full-time jobs, but yet they work hard to get the other things done. The advocacy. It's it's not like they go home and watch TV for 12 hours. They work hard. They're constantly moving and shuffling around for sure thank you very much we appreciate laura carno for all that she does she's such a great example of what uh ordinary citizens i mean there's nothing ordinary about her but it's encouraging to those of us who are ordinary citizens to uh take her example and uh to set right relationship between government and uh, the governed and you can't get your next door neighbor to vote hmm you know what do you mean? I mean, th- these people that work their butt off all day long, all night long, dedicate their life to making the, the country better. And then you can't get your next door neighbor to get off the TV to go vote. Well, we can't make anybody do anything, but I understand what you're saying that you can influence, you can, right. you can try to, you know, Im- impact your neighbor in such a way to say, you know, let's look at, let's have these conversations. Hey, I was listening to this lady on, on this, this podcast, this radio show, her name's Laura Carno, and, and she has these ideas. What do you think about them? And what do you Guns think that, that we, what do you think, train, people with training who have firearms in schools? But there are people out there in the world today that think that a firearm can go off on its own, walk out the house, and go do something. That's a true story. If my guns they could do, do that, that, I'd put them to work. They do. I'd have them clean and do dishes <laughs> and you know, wash oh, the showcases. I mean, come on. They oh. don't do anything. Guns do not do anything. They're lazy. They just sit there. Okay? Your guns will not do that. True story. All true? right. We got to get out of here. Until next time. Pray. Double. Pray. Double. Pray. Double. For our nation. A lot. Pray for our representatives until your head blows off our leaders all of them all of them Dan. even the ones How you come? don't like I, I don't understand this because every time you say all of them and you say all of them every single time nancy pelosi comes to my head every time so she must need your prayers more than any of them she needs something that's for sure even she the needs- ones you don't like dan especially the ones you don't like be good to each other have a great week. And God bless. <laughs> when don't you? <sighs> Bye. Thank you. Okay.